Here we go. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Chris Shutters. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Chris at the top of the hour. Now, this is the voice of indie blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love. And I want to introduce you to some great new artists I know you're going to really enjoy. So kick back and relax, because I aim to misbehave. Yeah. 
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
o'clock in the morning As soon as she closed her eyes I'll be back for my clothes in the daytime I won't stay for a long goodbye Yes, I'm gone Yes, I'm gone. I'm heading south. Four lips, two cups of coffee, and three times was one time to four. She ain't no angel of the downtown. She don't know when too far is too far.
track, can I get a cup of whiskey and eat?
independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
what you said You got me up all damn night With an empty case and light All these days seem empty Face yet to a
from his brand new release and we got chris on the line hey chris how are you good how you doing i'm doing pretty well now this is the first time you've been on our show we always start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are and get to know your journey so give us the okay. story of chris shutters oh well i mean guess it kind of all began when i was really young i was probably about two years old i had a little casio piano i'd play around on and my parents you know realized that i was picking up on actual melodies and they're like oh maybe there's he's onto something so then i did piano for a while until i was about 12 and i decided that i'd i just want to play guitar you know so i begged for a guitar for christmas and I did the whole Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimmy Vaughan thing. I'd sneak into my brother's room and practice on his acoustic, and he didn't like that, but I did it anyway. Yeah. And by the time I got a guitar for Christmas, I already surprised me to them to play it, you know what I mean? Okay. And then one thing led to another, I got in a band in high school, and then and then uh, I did some other things, like tried out for American Idol, America's Got Talent. I, I got the gold ticket for American Idol, and and did all that and and uh ended up playing in a bunch of different bands okay well tell me about mm -hmm. that experience on american idol i mean everyone i've i've interviewed a few uh american idol contestants over the years and each one has their own take on that experience and how that affected their career mm. well mine was a little lack a lackluster because uh I was in. I won a, a competition out here in Toledo, which then sent me to San Francisco to try out and jump jump in front of the line and try out American Idol. So I did that. I got through the first two producers and the executive producer, and um, I got the gold ticket. Well, there was twenty five thousand people there, and we were at the uh, Giant Stadium. I believe this was two thousand and ten, um, and. They only picked 500 people to get a gold ticket. Now, what happens is you, your gold ticket goes into a lottery, and then they let you know in four months whether or not you got drawn from that lottery. And I didn't get drawn. <laughs> but okay. about as far as it went for me. But, uh, that you know, it was a little discouraging, but it was a fun-free trip, and I, I took my mom with me, and that was a, lot, that was a good time. So basically, getting the golden ticket doesn't mean you're actually going to get on the show or into that right. first group. Okay. Exactly. So now, you know, I always see that um, artists always have that crossroad moment in their life where they look at their paths and music becomes the obvious path for them. But it's that moment where you make that decision. What was that moment for you? What was that moment where you knew 
music was a path for you? I, w- I remember exactly the moment. It was, um, I was in college, and I was uh, going to school for electrical engineering, and I was sitting in a biology class, and uh, we were going through the whole mitochondria, all that stuff, and uh, ATP, all this, all this stuff. And I was, I was the whole time, as the teacher was or the instructor was, was speaking, I was hearing melodies in my head and thinking, "Man, I can't wait to get home because I gotta, I gotta remember this." And I was back before I, you know, you know, we had any way to record it, you know. So like, off, so I had to memorize it, and I had to. I realized then, I'm like, this is what I really want to do. You know, I mean, I've done internships with, you know, in different companies and with the engineering thing, and it just bored me to death, you know? And I just realized, you know, music is always on my mind. I'm constantly feeling rhythms, hearing melodies, and maybe a, a couple words, a phrase that could be a hook, and, and I could write around it. You know, it's just, it's a, almost a constant thing ever since that point, you know? I mean, I've always written songs, but it, it got—it was really strong then. That was my early early twenties. Okay, now let's talk about uh, your new release. Um, if you were to go up to someone and try to describe or 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 give them um, kind of a synopsis of what this CD is about or what they what they can expect when they listen to it, what would you tell them? I would say it's an expression of my career as a musician, this particular CD itself, this album. Because there's a couple songs that I had recorded on my first album that I redid for this one, and then I included uh, completely new rights, like new new compositions as well. So I I kind of think of this as like my favorite songs that I've written and as well as new ideas. So I think it's kind of an expression of my career up until this point, really. You know, it's, it's nostalgic and it's also new. Okay. You know, every, every songwriter has their process, their way of, of tapping into the muse or, you know, just sitting down and, and, and maybe a ritual or something of that sort. When you sit down to begin to write music, what is your process? Um, usually it's an inspiration thing, you know, I'll, I'll hear, I'll be playing a piano and I'll, I'll hear a song through the piano and then I'll construct chords and, you know, a structure from there. A lot of times I'm just sitting down and playing my guitar and, you know, you know, I, I play a lot of gigs. I, pl- I probably play over 300 gigs a year, you know, and sometimes in between songs, I'll just be fiddling around. And I'll go, oh, that was kind of cool. So I'll like get my phone out and I'll record myself doing it. And then later in the studio, I'll sit down and listen to it. And then I construct, construct some things based off of that. Now, sometimes, like I said before, it's a, it's a, a, a vocal melody I hear first, uh, maybe a, a, a few words. Um, and I just kind of use that as my, my anchor, my base point. So. Okay. Now, you know, I always find it interesting how uh, songwriters find melodies. You know, lyric is, is kind of a craft. You know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But lyric, mm. melody is a little different. Some songwriters like to work off of just a groove, a little rhythmic beat. Others like to have that 
structure of, of uh, chords behind it to kind of find the melody within. And others look at the lyric and, and its cadence dictate where the melody should go. What's kind of yeah. your go-to when you look for melodic ideas? Um, it's kind of strange because it's different every time. Sometimes it's a groove, sometimes it's a chord structure, sometimes it's lyrics. And, or, but a lot of times I, I hear the melody first. And then I got to figure out the chords around it, or whatever I'm going to do around it. That's I, I'm melodies and harmonies are kind of just they come natural to me in a lot of ways, you know. Um, and I, I would say mo- more than more than most, it comes from it comes from the melody I hear in my head first. Okay. More, more than more than a groove would be. I mean, sometimes the melody in itself has a groove, you know. So it, you kind of already know where to go with that. But then you build off of that, you find chords to go with it, and then you can get kind of creative um, with chord structures, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, back in college, you know, you would have these melodic ideas, but no way of capturing it in that moment. And, you know, mm-hmm. technology has really advanced over the years where the cell phone now becomes important to songwriters because they can capture ideas and they. We have home recording studios. There's software like Songwriters Pad and Master Writer out there. What are some of the tools that you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? The, the video camera on the phone. Okay. I, I, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll have an idea and I'll just set the phone down in front of me and just record for, you know, five seconds and just grab that idea because it's not always just the chords or the melody, but... You know, maybe like the strum pattern. You know, that's that. Sometimes I forget that. Like, I'll I'll write a really cool idea, and, and if I don't get it down real quick, I'll remember what chords I play. But I, oh, what was the what was the rhythm? How the how the how to go? And then I'll be, well, I guess that wasn't such a good idea to begin with. So then I'll move on. You know, but if I can capture that, then I can recreate it. I think if the the one thing that is fleeting to me is is the first thing to go. I. Is the is getting the rhythm, you know? Mm-hmm. If I get that get first and I hear the rhythm, I got to hurry up and grab it, you know, before I lose it. Now we all know the songs evolve over time. You know, you've got your writing phase, then it goes into production. Things change there, and then of course oh, yeah. when you take it on the road, it evolves even more. So, but you have to get to that point where you stop the writing phase and move it into that next phase into production. What do you do to determine when a song is ready to give to the producer or the band and, and let them put their little, little spin on it? Well, you know, I started out writing with a three-piece band. So everything was really simple, you know? It was just three guys doing their thing. But now I have my own studio, and I also work at a... Uh, I'm a I, I have a label that I'm working with, Marvite Records. And... um and I'll start with the guitar part, and I'll build it, and I'll go, okay, now let's, you know, I'll do it to a click, or maybe not. Maybe I'll have a drummer there, and we'll play it live together, which is a lot of the album, my new album, that was that way. Started out with just me and a guitar and a drummer. And then you add the bass and stuff later. You know what I mean? But you get to a point where you you add everything that you hear in your head, and then you go, okay, is there any other embellishments here? Maybe a harmony here, maybe maybe a glockenspiel here, or maybe just one big guitar strum in this one section 
you know, it, it's to me, it's more about you know composing. I, I'm I like to create, and I like to create a world. You know, not just a song. You know, something that actually takes you somewhere. So, knowing when the song is done is a feel thing, just like anything else for me in music. You know, sometimes I can listen to a song, and to some people it might sound done, and I go, "Oh no, I still got to do this. I got to do that." And I, blah blah blah. And then once you get all the recorded parts down, then you got your editing, and then you got the mixing and the EQing and the and the uh, mastering and all that stuff and that takes that's a whole different artistic mindset as well you know versus the creating and then it's the fine-tuning right but i think i don't really know until it's done like or when it's done until it feels right you know it's really hard to explain you know it's it's just oh, that's it it's done okay move on you know and sometimes it's that i can do in one day and it's all done. And then there's songs that takes me years to finish, you know? Yeah. So. Believe me, I know. Now, you know, yeah. I've, been, I've been a recording engineer since 1980, and I'm always curious about uh, other musicians and their, their studios and how they um, configure them and what DAW they're using. Uh, what is kind huh. of your DAW for your studio? Okay. Um, well, I started out working out with GarageBand for many years, mm -hmm. and now I'm my Logic Pro X. Okay. Um, so that's the DAW I'm using now. But, you know, I, I'm a Mac guy. I got the new Mac Studio. I got. I had to have that. And I got uh, barefoot monitors. And, you know, because I found that I, I kind of had cheap monitors before. And it would sound great in the studio. But then I put it in my car. I put it in another, another platform. And it, where's the bass at? Where's the kick drum? You know, all that sounded great in the studio. So I've realized the importance of having high quality monitors, you know, mm -hmm. and setting that up correctly and getting a good um, acoustic sound in your, in your room. And then, then it translates a lot better. It's worth the money really, I think. Um, and then, you know, I, I use uh, my interface. I use the focus right stuff. I like, I like, you know, the scarlets and the, um, and microphones are everything to me. Microphones is, is where it's at. Oh yeah. So, well, you know, you know I, I always look at microphones just like, um, lenses would be to a photographer you know your body yeah. of your camera always changes the DAWs always change plugins change but those mics the, you know they will last years as being uh, if you get really good mics you know mm -hmm. you know yeah. I, I have a, you know I have a Neumann U87 I've got you know mm. Sennheiser you know four, yeah, MD421s for drums and stuff the king of the time mics yeah they're great Tom mics. And, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm a big fan of warm audios uh, mics as well. I mean, I've got pretty much every one they make. I have, you know, uh, their mic collection, which I am just enamored with. I think their their C12 is just amazing. I uh, just used mm -hmm. it on a sax player that just blew my mind. Uh, so, you know, those well, are great mics. Yeah, I mean, I... I've been really loving the sound of my voice through an AKG 414. Okay. I really just, I just love the, the sound. It's like a really gritty sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Kind of the blues, you know? Um, but a buddy of mine in town here, who is on the album, his name's Mark Michael, he has, he's, he lets me use his, uh, he's got a, 
uh, U87 clone. I think it's called the Grinch. <laughs> is the name. <laughs> okay. But but man, it sounds great. It's an excellent mic for capturing smooth, warm vocal tones too. So, but yeah, I, I got the 421s for the drums. I got a you know the Shure 52 for the kick, mm-hmm. and I'm a big RE. I love the RE20s classic sound for right. even I. A lot of times I use it on the kick drum. I mean, it's tried and true. It's it's a good kick drum mic, but it's good for amps uh, broadcasting. And I got the uh, SM7B, the Sure SM7B. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all good stuff. I mean, they all have their own qualities. Oh, so yeah. I like to experiment. You know, you know expensive think, you hobby. Know, I'm seeing a lot of people using SM7Bs even in live uh, settings. You know, uh, it's a great mm-hmm. mic. You know, the RE20, the SM7B, you know, that's the the DJ's sexy voice, you know, uh, mics. You know, those that's the one that gives you that, you know, that deep voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. But, you know, guitar yep. cabs, I love um, ribbon mics. I like, uh, I have a Cascade Fathead that I use on my guitar amps. It's just great, creamy kind of guitar sound uh, out of those, you know? Do you have to use a cloud lifter? Do you usually use a cloud lifter with those? No, I, I mean I have great preamps here, so you know I've got a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of gain that I can pull off them. I've got, you know, I've got eight channels of API. I've got six channels of uh, Neve ten seventy threes. I got, uh, oh, yeah, I got UA seven tens. I got Focusrite ISA twos, and you know, just all kinds of of uh, preamps, just to keep you know. To give you know the, that yeah. that full sound, so yeah, I haven't had a, big, a problem. I'm a big fan of the 500 series. Oh yeah, I think those are cool. Oh yeah, I got a, a couple hairball Lolas. You ever heard of the Lolas? Yes. And they're they're really great preamps. I I love them. And then um, uh, actually, I want to get a little bit more of those. But you got the Neve 1073. You know those those are great. I mean, they translate well. Oh yeah, awesome. I love 500 series. Preamps are great. Now, when when you start that recording process, uh, you know, having a great song, that's kind of half that battle, but you have to create that sound, that unique signature that not only identifies you as an artist, but kind of gives the song its identity. What's kind of your process when you get into that studio environment and put on the engineer's hat that that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for. I mean, the most important thing I try to get out of the way first, and that's getting good drum sound. I mean, that's just it's to me that's everything. Having a great drum sound, and then everything else kind of just falls into place for me. Um, but I spend a lot of time trying to get a good kick sound, the toms to pop through, um, and of course the snare. I a lot of times when I record the snare, I just record the bottom of the snare, and I have the overheads. I use the overheads to pick up the top. Kind of the classic Beatles thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, drums are super important. And then, obviously, as a guitar player, I try to get a really good guitar sound, but I, I feel like I spend more time with the acoustics. I think, like, acoustic guitars, I think I'm those are more important to me to get sounding good, you know? So, as the electrics go, you know, I, mean, I can get a good electric sound. I don't think it's, I've never had too much trouble with that. You know, it's just, that's just my rig, the way I set it up. I don't know, it just works. Okay. But acoustic, getting a 
acoustic sound, that's that's tough, you know, to get that right. I think. Now, tell tell me about the lineup on this. Who's playing on it? Okay. Um, yeah. So I've got a couple, a few drummers on this. Uh, again, I mentioned Mark Michael. Um, uh, Dave Fogel is a musician up in this this area. He's he plays in a few bands. Excellent session drummer and and then um ian rowell is a guy that i played with he was in my band we played together for 20 years you know on and off and i think you know he's me and him the dynamic between he, he and i and the, it's just perfect it's like a perfect musical marriage um he knows where i'm going i know where he's going our accents are always right there we know when we stop everything just feels good you know you know, he doesn't have to rehearse. We can just play off by feel. And he's one of the, I'm probably the only drummer I've felt that comfortable with. And I've played with some good drummers. You know, I played with, you know, Ginger Baker's kid, Kofi Baker, for 12 years. I, nice. Okay. I played I played Mountain. I, I played with Corky Lang and Mountain for about four years. Really? Uh, I, took I know the, Corky pretty well. Cork, yeah. Corky's yep. a pisser. <laughs> he's something else, man. Yeah, he's, he's got the, some stories, let me tell you. Oh, he loves to tell the stories, but a lot of the shows are is him just talking, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but uh, we did an album together, he and I, uh, with Mark Michael. And Mark actually, I recruited him in to the Corky Lang Mountain thing, and uh, he played bass. But we have an album called uh, Corky Lang Toledo Sessions. Check it out. It's all original stuff. It's very mountain esque. Mm-hmm. It's really, really. We slaved over it. It was good stuff. But, um, yeah, Corky and I went over and, and, and some Kofi as well, went to Europe and played over there and Germany and England and all that fun stuff and did a lot of traveling with those guys, and which leads me to the first track on my new album, Cut Me In Half, because I was playing with both of those guys at the same time, and they would always fight over dates for me, you know, and... It was always, you know, the point of the story is, you know, well, I, you can't really cut me in half. You can't have a piece of me and you at the same time, so we got to work this out. And it always got messy. But, you know, it kind of, I came up with a song based on it, which was kind of nice, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, at least you got a song out of it, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, and it's very Queen-like. The song is actually, I don't know, it just reminds me of Queen, okay. which is kind of why the opener because it's something different than i've ever done you know all right well you know let's talk a little bit about the industry uh obviously you've been in and out of this industry for a while uh, things have changed over the last 20 25 years <clears throat> with the digital revolution you know it has you know um the elephant in the room here for us is that streaming is the way that people consume music now is no way we can we can bitch we can complain but that is the fact we the consumer has embraced this technology the problem is is that since they have embraced this technology the the status of recorded music as a product has diminished uh people yeah. no longer look at something like you know recorded music as something to purchase it's now a service they expect it free on their phone and that's really affected the independent artists i think more than any other segment of the music industry uh because 
you know, they depend on, you know, sales from the merch table off the stage and, you know, and, and, and selling CDs. I mean, a lot of times a tour is, is you know, uh, financed through, you know, the merch table. Um, how has this shift in, in perception by the consumer uh, affected you as an artist? Well, quite a bit, actually. I mean, unfortunately, they're even making new cars that don't even have CD players in them, so nobody even wants to buy CDs anymore. You know, I, that was a lot of my uh, income throughout the years was uh, CD sales, you know, especially with tours and stuff. That, you know, I was dependent on that. Right. But, you know, and, and now, you know, people can just, it's, it's, you know, the streaming thing is the epitome of play for exposure, you know, because it's really easy to, anybody can write a song and spend whatever, 60 bucks to put it on digital streaming. Now you're on everywhere. Now people can listen to your stuff. But since uh, I think it was last May, they, uh, they changed it to where uh, you're only making 0. 0.003 to 0. 0.005 uh, cents on, per stream. I mean, that's like, that's, that's nothing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it was, who was it? It was uh Peter Frampton and he had like 25 million. So this I'm, I'm not sure of the numbers here, but he had like 25 million streams and I think he only made $1,700. You know, it's just kind of ridiculous, you know? So streaming is, is basically just a non-musician businessman's way of, taking over, you know, I mean, I don't, I just, it, CDs was, was a really good thing for musicians because it was a big deal to have a product you could show. And I still do it. I still make CDs and people still buy them, but it's not at a rate that it was before, you know? Oh yeah. Well, you know, if you, if you really kind of look at this, I mean, uh, with streaming, this revenue that we get from streaming is not a sustainable business model. Um, no most most of the content that you get on these streaming platforms really are coming from the independent artist community and you know the the big record companies they went to you know spotify and they you know created their own deals they got a bigger piece of the pie you know because of course they have the uh the artists that you know that people are flocking to you know the taylor swifts and so on and so forth but yeah. it really left the independent artist kind of left in the dust with this, you know, well, take it or leave it. We don't need you. You need us mentality. Uh, and, and in a way that it is this double-edged sword where if you're not on Spotify and someone goes looking for you and they can't find you, you now become irrelevant. So you yeah. have to be there. You're, you're, you're kind of uh, the industry is dictating that you need to participate in this, even though you're getting screwed. Um, yeah, exactly. What do you think needs to happen to to change that dynamic? Well, I think uh, I could start by putting CD players back in vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's happening. No. Yeah, you can't so, even I mean, go to Best Buy and find it, find a CD player for your house, let alone one for your car. You know, streaming is here to stay, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what we do. Um, we need to look at where is the future of streaming? What can we do to change this this dynamic, utilizing this technology 
to be fair to the artist. Now, you know, if you look at the digital revolution, we started out with like Napster. Everyone said, oh, you can't stop Napster. It's too big. It's the Internet. It's all over the place. It's nodes. And, and you know, you can't, you know, stop it. Well, then along comes Apple and iTunes and iPods and and everyone was, you know, putting their music up there on 99 cent downloads and yada, yada, yada. And everyone said, oh, you can't stop Apple. They're a huge company. Well, where is the iPod now? It's gone. Mm-hmm. And now we're yeah. into streaming. And everyone is saying, oh, you can't stop Spotify. Well, if you look at the history of this digital revolution, it's a constant change. We're constantly moving to new platforms um, to distribute and and to the consumer. And the consumer is looking for, uh, basically, they don't care how we're getting paid or any of that stuff. They want convenience. They want to be able to access music at a flick of a finger. If someone mentions a name, they want to find that artist and check them out. That's what they mm-hmm. want. So there are some new uh, streaming platforms that are that have been developed that really promises to change the music industry uh, because they're being developed on the blockchain, which is that technology that makes cryptocurrency secure. It's the you know that technology that makes cryptocurrency actually exist is this this blockchain once something goes into the blockchain it can't be modified it's there forever it can't be changed um and you know there is uh, sites like audius and emanate that are now streaming platforms that number one decentralizes the industry in other words no one company can control what you put up there once it's up once it's up they can't control it they can't change it they can't change the uh the pay scale of what you have and what they're doing is they're saying that they can pay up to 80 percent of the incoming revenue back to the artist and not only pay them a, a, a decent rate but also you get paid upon the stream because once your music is accessed, it triggers a smart contract that then looks at all of the monies that it came in, the percentages that you would get, and generates a payment immediately upon that stream to your wallet or your bank account. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the, I, I think the future of streaming, where we're headed, uh, Audius has the backing of, of Jason Derulo and, and Katy Perry and Naz and Pusha T and Dead Mouse and a lot of EDM artists. And so once these big artists start realizing they can make more with these other platforms and they start moving over, that's going to take the fan base with them. Now, you can go yeah. up right now on your phone and, and get an Audius player. And start listening to music on Audius. Uh, so yeah. it's it's a functioning platform right now. Uh, what do you think of that as as a potential future for the music industry? 
That sounds actually pretty nice. I think it's a good one. Um, something's got to be done, and that's a good way to start. I mean, but like you said, it's it's got it's a digital world now, so you got to play the hand that you got. You know, nowadays you can't go. You know, a lot of people are trying to do the vinyl thing. You know, it's it's increasing in sales as far as that goes, but it's not the number one source. You know, no people aren't like right listening now, to vinyl; they're listening to streams. And buying vinyl yeah. to put in their collection, you know, or getting autographed yeah, right. or, you know, it's a collectible, you know? So that's just for nostalgic purposes, you know, and vintage and all that stuff. And it's, you know, one day that people are going to lose interest in that, maybe, I don't know. But but as far as, like, the real deals, like you said, the NASA's and the Taylor Swift's and all the big names, everything's going to be digital. It already is. And if something like that is happening, I think that's a good start, you know? Well, you know, um, another thing that I've, I've been researching and t- keeping a close eye on is this whole world of NFTs. Now, I know that yeah. the, the NFT thing has kind of taken a little bit of a dive, um, especially since Trump got into his little NFT thing. But in the music industry and in how it applies to us as musicians, it's really interesting that there's a site right now called Royal.io. And what this site allows you to do is mint these NFTs that represent a portion of either your streaming royalties or your publishing royalties. And um, Naz, what he did is he took and he used this site and he created um, NFTs that represented one half of the royalties on two songs. And they each NFT was like 0.15%, you know, real small percentage. And he sold it to his fan base, and he was able to generate $600,000 of upfront income. Wow. And not only that, you now have like 3,000 fans that have an economic interest in making sure your music gets streamed. So now this street team of, of uh, fans who are now getting paid from your your music royalties, it's like almost selling stock in in a song. You know what I mean? Where people yeah. can invest in a song they like and then promote it themselves because the more they promote it, the more they make back from their purchase price. And to top it off, if they decide to resell that percentage that they own to someone else the artist gets a percentage of that resale value in perpetuity so it's a it's an income stream that constantly runs into your into your your wallet um as people buy and sell and trade these these uh nfts that represent your streaming royalties so it's it's an interesting way of giving a direct fan and artist connection that that leaves out record companies and distributors and all of these middlemen that take a piece of the pie. What do you think of that as as a potential for that future? I like that a lot, actually. I think that's kind of like the interest of a lot of people right now. A lot of people are getting into the whole NFTs and the stocks and all that stuff and everything. If you can find a way to bring music into the equation... I think it'd be a really good thing. I mean, I'm actually looking at it right now. Look, I looked it up, Royal.io, and 
I'm, I'm creating an account. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. That's pretty neat. I mean, so what do you do? You just upload your your album to it, or I mean, no, you 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 create these NFTs that represent uh, a portion of your streaming royalties, and then I got you. Then you make them available through OpenSea or you know any of the NFT uh, marketplaces, and you know you sell them to your fan base. Oh wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, you know, one of the things that happened, you know, especially when the pandemic hit, is a lot of artists went up on the internet, and the brand now has become the new product. You have to, you have to have your brand. People invest, yep. especially if you're looking to get them to, to buy NFTs or invest in a song. They invest in a brand, in something that they can identify with. And uh, you know, since the the pandemic, a lot of artists started to create content and. And, and showing off, you know, these are the things that I do and on the side. My hobbies, my thoughts, my, um, my puppies, babies, kittens, and, and whatever else they have. Chickens and chicken coops and whatever. And the fans have really kind of gravitated to this. And if you look at the, the psychology of it, over the last 30 years, let's say, we've been hammered with reality shows and and that reality show kind of content to where we're really acclimated to that so the artists that i'm seeing that are really kind of gaining success on social media have really kind of gravitated to that kind of content where they're constantly giving their fans this behind the scenes kind of feel where they're getting to know the artist as a person as as uh, not just a you know fictional personality that stands on the stage but as a real person with real problems real things that they do hobbies and interests that are beyond the music it's almost like yeah. funnel marketing where you you get a whole swath of people to come into your funnel and distill them down to your music area where they can then, you know, you can then monetize them. Um, what are some of the things that you are doing as far as content and social media marketing that is kind of helping you advance your brand? Um, you know, I've been really focusing a lot on my um, my website, um, chrisshutters.com, and I, uh, I try to promote that more and more on my social media, kind of get people to, to go there instead. But as far as like, I, you know, I, I do a lot of videos. I, I do music videos for my songs. I'll post them up there and, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep in touch with people personally and I'll maybe make a video just saying, you know, Hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. I'm playing here. And I'll always have like a, my weekly, every Monday I put up my weekly list of where I'm going to be. And then they can have a, you know, if they want to know further, then they can visit my website, which right now is still under construction as far as the calendar goes, but I'm, that's going to be ready to rock here in the next couple of weeks. So I'll have everything up there. Okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of my avenue. And I, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff on like local news stations and stuff like that. Too. So when, when I do that, that immediately goes on to their website and I can share from that, you know, it looks a little more, more, uh, I don't know professional in that way you know but um 
I try to I try to maintain, you know, a certain image. You know, I don't I don't go online and post a bunch of goofy stuff. You know, I try to you know explain like where I'm going to be and how I got there and my music. I don't know. It's kind of kind of one of the things I don't really have it figured out. I just kind of just play it by ear. You know what I mean? All right. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's uh, been oh, yeah. a real pleasure talking with you. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. Guys, going to love this.
if I believe you If I try I think we're better off now Letting things lie Same place.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
Whiskey is my witness For all the nights I spent Thinking if it's worth To try and bend again Helps me with my vice I intentionally pour Flames into a glass of ice Yes, I know myself too well And it doesn't really matter Where you are Your happiness Will always be
baby Walk in the streets at night You got me talking, baby, yeah You know it ain't right Oh, 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 oh. 
This ain't my first rodeo Just playing the blues, Dad.
tell the truth to save a life She'll lie to take yours and she'll be glad Like staring at the ceiling while the walls are closing Those big blue eyes so innocent while she pours a Mickey Finn The blood is on her hands but you're paying for her sins Said that girl, that girl is all If you was hit by a truck and you were lying out in that gutter dying and you had time to sing one song, huh? One song.
29 songs. It was enough. Never was a number 30, not that I knew of. You gotta do it for yourself. That's what Robert would have told you.
the blue scale.
There's nothing a greenhorn 
for me Cause my older daddy suits me to a T I like my man like I like my whiskey Ooh, aged and mellow Now listen youngster, be on your way Don't bother me till service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. Stable, you never. 
easy to hurt But truth be told The first wound may cause her pain But you ain't ever, never, ever gonna hurt her again I guess there just aren't enough rocks. sound gonna rise up out the ground to hate no grave gonna hold my body down shame is a prison as cruel as a grave shame is a robber and he's come to take my name Love is my redeemer Oh, lift me from the ground Love is the power Where my freedom song is found Ain't no grave Hold this body down There ain't no grave Gonna hold this body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold this body down Was a battle, was a war between death and life. There on the tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. He went on down to hell, took back every key. He rose up as a lion, and he set all captives free. 
106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Feeling now, baby. Just swimming through the gumbo Gotta keep it head down Looking for the jumbo Yeah Got a funny feeling Got the blues on Monday Gotta swim back for the storm on Sunday Or we're all gonna get wet She was dancing with the boombox Passed right out and she fell in the boondocks uh, It made a mighty sound We're Gonna have a party in the lowdown swampland Grilling on some eagle with a no-name farmhand uh, Just messing around
We're good. That's it. Move on. Sound great, brothers. We're tracking in history right now, y'all. Now, if I could ask for the time to turn back the clock for me. To turn back the clock for me You know I'd have you by my side Oh, just the way we used to be And I'm running out of time Flat, broken, busted people And I'm running out of time the price I pay. 
environment but uh, but in the 21st century uh, you know you don't even have to leave the couch just turn on the tv in commercials or as theme songs you will see and hear the blues are everywhere i'm elwood
each other If by some magical means they be able to change places with each other That is to live in the environment and experience the hardships And have to do without some of the small things That most would consider to be very precious I believe that they would think twice Before they ridicule and embarrass people they know nothing about Except for what they've been told or what has been instilled in them from childhood. Things are not always what they seem to be, especially when you're on the outside looking in, instead of on the inside looking out. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour.
my show for tonight I hope you enjoyed yourself I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did and remember all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues if you want to keep the blues alive you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on the show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor things left home with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. I lie me and think I'm dead. Gonna keep back in the city Till I can handle it See 
Got to pay my bills, got my house off the same. 